What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, and this week, we've got an awesome guest lined up for you. We've got Renee Paquette, former host of WWE Backstage, former WWE on-air talent, and now she is the host of the Sessions Podcast, a very good podcast that I listen to every week. Before we get into that, though, I got a little bit of housekeeping I want to do here at the top of the show. I normally do it at the end, but... I'm guessing that people like when the, when the interview's over, people are probably tuning out. So I want to get it up top here because I really want to stress that you guys should be following WWE on Fox YouTube channel. Go subscribe to it. That's where you can find this show on camera every week. So if you're only listening to the podcast version of the show, you can find full length version of this show on camera. You can see my pretty face every week uh, on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel it premieres at 9 a.m. Pacific time. And then also, if you're subscribed to the channel, you can get clips from SmackDown, from Raw, and other stuff as well. So make sure that you're following the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. Also, we're on social media as well. So make sure you're following those channels as well. You've got the WWE on Fox on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and we're on TikTok now. I don't think we have any videos there, but we do have a verified profile. So make sure that you go follow the WWE on Fox account on every single social media platform. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the Add a Character, uh, the, the podcast feed. If you're listening right now and you're not subscribed, it would do me a, it would be a huge favor to me if you went and subscribed to the channel right now. Uh, I work really hard on this show, so I would appreciate it if you did. And obviously it helps the show grow when you do. So please, 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 please subscribe to this podcast feed. All right, enough of that. Let's get into this week's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, the host of the sessions, Renee Paquette. All right, well, I want to know, you know, every usually each episode I start off asking my guests how much of their real true self there is in the character they play on TV. But for you, I want to know, did you consider the role that you were playing on WWE TV as a character? Sometimes I did, yeah. Um, you know, especially... You know, not so much doing kickoff panels or, of course, you know, our time during backstage. It wasn't something I thought about. But in terms of doing backstage interviews, I definitely did think about it. And I had to think about it sometimes um, in terms of whether I was interviewing a heel or a baby face. That would change the way that I would behave during those interviews. And then I had to add in the layer. If I was interviewing somebody that was in a storyline with my husband, John Dean at the time, um, that was something I had to think about as well, because even though it's like subtle little things, um, you know, there was a moment I actually just tweeted it not that long ago of Samoa Joe and I um, when we were doing a backstaging and he was, you know, saying something to me about John, you know, being a stay at home husband or something like that. So it was like having those reactions. Those were things that I had to think about of like blurring those lines between like real life and what people know on television um, so yeah, I, I definitely did think about those things, but I tried to be like as subtle as possible, like kind of like a wink and a nudge, but also have on like my journalistic integrity hat. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense to to have to do. And it's, it's, I feel like you, because of the, your marriage and because of the role you played, you kind of definitely had to blur the line between reality and fiction more than other characters in the company. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even like doing commentary, I mean, that was something too, that that was a different situation of me trying to figure out what my character was in that role. And that was a hard thing for me to kind of figure out. I was like, who am I now in this spot? 
Cause it was changing where it's like, wait, am I having like the fan perspective? Am I still just like Renee young on commentary? It was an evolution that I was really trying to figure out. That was hard for me to, to kind of establish who I was, especially in a three man booth. Yeah. I had someone, I had a wrestler reach out to me recently, just asking for advice. They're new in the business and they were like, what do you think I should focus on? And they're, they're already really good in the ring. And I said, character, like you, that, that's the thing that sets you apart from other people. If you have like, a specific you know thing that people can outline you as it'll help you out it'll help out a lot in your career in pro wrestling yeah oh absolutely i mean it's everything it's the you know whether if you're you can be the best technical wrestler in the world you don't have a character people care about it's you know it's hard to get anywhere that's that's the whole purpose of professional wrestling is making people feel a certain way and that all comes from character work i think well okay so i want to know since I, since you were kind of yourself as your character, someone who blurred the lines between reality and fiction, I want to know your real self. Uh, how would you describe your personality when you're not being recorded by some sort of recording device? Um. Oh God, that's a tough one. Um. I mean, it is pretty similar. I'm definitely a lot more dry. I think in real life, like I think my like sarcastic side comes out a lot more. I can definitely be like more of a pain in the ass. I think like my character on television, everyone always assumes is like so nice and so bubbly and like, sure, that part is there, but there's also a side of me that's like not that. Um, so it, it's so funny. I feel like John always like calls me up. He's like, everyone thinks you're so nice. Of course, it's coming from my husband who I'm always like kind of giving to. Um <laughs> So it's a different scenario, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that there are, a, there's a lot of Renee Young in Renee Paquette, um, but yeah, it's definitely more of that dry, way more of a potty mouth. Um, I, I, I'm not that like professional business person that I think people thought that I was with Renee Young. People always say, would say that to me, like from, from a television point of view, like, oh, you're like this like professional journalist. And I was like, what me? No, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I kind of just play one on television. So I appreciate that you think that that's actually something that I'm bringing to the table, but I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you, you say you don't know what you're doing, but, uh, I, it's funny. I've seen, you know, I was in prepping for this. I went back and I watched, I just searched, uh, Renee Paquette on, on YouTube and I clicked upload date so I could find the oldest YouTube videos of yours that I could find. I'm just like, the oldest, like, oh, first stuff you were doing. And it was God. so funny to see. But I can still see, like, shades of who you are now on camera, yeah. even back then. Just, like, nice, yes. happy, and, and just kind of, like, going with the flow. Just kind of, like, you know, feeling like you're in the moment at all times. Yeah. I mean, that's something especially... I mean, not so much, especially early on, but I think that was very much so me cutting my teeth and figuring out who I am on camera, how I want to sound, uh, what kind of work that I want to do. That was my training ground. I didn't have any training as a television host. My, my experience prior to that was doing acting and like acting auditions and classes. Like that's all that I had done prior to being like, you know what, maybe I'm going to be a TV host. And then, you know, luckily from those small little startup jobs, they all kind of snowballed into the next thing and whatnot, which, you know, I guess that's how careers develop and whatnot, yes. which is great. But um, yeah, it, 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 I really was at that time, like trying to live in that moment. But I think a lot of that kind of harkens back 
too, especially in those early days, I had just come off from doing classes at Second City and doing improv and paying attention to listening and reacting. And I think that's something that I've carried with me through my whole career, where it's like as much as I can prep for something and be ready for whatever, I'm also ready to abandon that and move on to whatever the other thing is that's happening at that moment and react to that. And that's what makes me love what I do too. It's like, I love being able to be present and in that moment. And that's something I I think, especially this day and age that can be a little bit difficult to do. We're all always thinking about the next thing and thinking about what people are going to be thinking about what we're doing. It can, we can kind of get in our own way and get a little heady about things like that sometimes. Yeah. I actually think that people taking acting classes, good acting classes, you know, the right kinds of place can be helpful in all walks of life. Like, Oh my God. It's because similar to what you had just said, the, you know, being present, uh, you know, reacting to things, uh, being able to live in the moment. I I wasn't really like that until I took real acting classes out here in Los Angeles when I was first getting my start as well. And it really taught me just to listen and, 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 and be able to be present, you know? It's so crazy how much like as as simple as that sounds. And I don't want to feel like I'm like, you know, welcome to inside the actor's studio. Um, but there are times that, like I would say to people, I'm like, honestly, you just have to listen, especially, you know, doing interviews, um, whether it's like an interview like this or you're doing an interview with WWE and you are working with a script, but still things change. You're doing live television. So the way somebody says a certain line or, um, you know, a certain word that you kind of want to hang on to a little bit. I feel like that stuff makes all the difference in believability. Oh yeah, absolutely. I also feel like acting classes got me in touch with my emotions, which I don't know if that was as helpful because like sometimes it can be like a therapy session, (laughs) but oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Some of the things they make Mm -hmm. you write, like when you're, you know, trying to dig deeper in your character can be intense, Mm -hmm. but, but because it taught me how to like, listen and listen to my emotions, I find myself crying at like the dumbest things. I'll be watching Shark Tank. <laughs> I'll be watching Shark Tank and someone like achieving their dream on Shark Tank no. gets to me where all of a sudden I'm like, why is my face feeling like this? I'm I'm like a little emotional watching this. It's really funny. Yeah, like when you're able to keep your emotions at the surface and have those be things to tap into, whether you're using them, you know, professionally or just as like a human being, like that was one thing. Um, yeah, when I was taking classes like that as well, I mean, whether it's doing improv classes or like real acting classes, you would sometimes have like executives in there or yeah, like people from like many different walks of life. It didn't mean somebody actually really wanted to be a performer, so to speak. Um, there's definitely more of like that corporate aspect of things, but you're right. I mean, I feel like everyone can kind of tap into some of those things and learn how to, you know, get in check with your emotions. Nothing bad comes from that, except for maybe crying publicly in a moment that you weren't really prepared to do so. <laughs> yeah. That can catch you. That's yeah. caught me on like flights before. Oh my God. Crying on a plane. Look out. You have like a glass of wine and watch my girl. Oh, done. 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 <laughs> that B scene is just, it's over at that point. <sighs> oh my J. God. When she walks in the funeral parlor and um, yeah, I mean, uh, he's the open casket. It's, it's horrifying. He's a uh, he's on a show I start I watch uh, called Righteous Gemstones. Macaulay Culkin mm-hmm. just just joined it this season at the end of it, and I'm so happy just to have a show that I'm watching that has Macaulay Culkin on it. Do you think that he was feeling a certain pressure to be like, "Damn, um, my other brother's doing Succession. I better also get on a show that people really care about because I'm not becoming the most famous Culkin." <laughs> Can't let Kieran surpass me. Nuh-uh. No, no, I almost said Rory. You're right, Kieran. Yeah. He established it. 
It's his name. It's his it, namesake. But, and it, it, you know, it's funny. Kieran and and Macaulay Culkin are both big wrestling fans. I I was you know I was surprised mm-hmm. to hear that he's still a wrestling fan. He was on a I think it was Freddie Prince Jr.'s podcast, and he had current takes, and he was just so up to date oh, on everything. I love that. Yeah, it was great. That's great. Yeah, it, those it, are some of like my favorite moments when you can like. I mean. As you know, it's like when you find people that you can bomb with on professional wrestling, it's like, okay, here we go. Let's get into it. Uh, In an instant bond is formed. Yes, absolutely. So wait, okay. When you were doing acting, you moved to LA for that? I did. So um, (laughs) I feel like like, I talk about this in interviews sometimes, but it's like, I was so young. Like as soon as I got out of high school, I knew what I wanted to do. I was like, I want to get into acting. That's where, you know, that's where I saw life taking me. It was a thing that I cared about. I would skip school to watch like weird independent movies. And like, I would go to Blockbuster and like, man, my DVD collection I had of like weird foreign films really was top notch. Um, I don't own them anymore. I've got rid of them. But, um, but yeah, I was like really in the thick of like, um, you know, I, I did the improv classes first, but then from there is when I, I went into like the heavy duty, real acting classes and um, studying with this acting coach in Toronto, um, David Rotenberg, who is he's like the guy like Rachel McAdams studied with him. I believe Ryan Gosling did like pretty much like all of those actors that come out of Canada are like, ooh, David Rotenberg. So <laughs> I've been working with him for a little while and he was amazing. I, I loved I love taking those classes. Uh, I really, I love like that whole experience. I love, I actually love the auditioning experience. Interesting. A lot of people hate it, but I really did like it. I know I did. Well, I mean, the rejection aspect of it, of course, (laughs) is like, you know, that that's going to come your way. But there, I did like having those moments of like, oh my God, wait, I'm getting a new script. And now I get to like tap into it. Let me get into the lines and let me like try to make something of this. I love putting myself in those situations, but, um, you know, it, it, as much as that felt like it was such a big part of who I am and how I got my start, it was relatively short because by the time, you know, I moved out to LA when I was 19 after literally only taking acting classes and auditioning, I had, I had maybe booked like a music video and I did a commercial for Oxy, like the Oxy, like those face wipes. Yeah, yeah. So I had a very limited resume. I moved to Los Angeles without um, a work visa. I had no idea how that worked, but I was like, man, all these other actors are doing it. And other, like, I see so many Canadians on television. You must be able to just go there and figure it out. <laughs> um, and that was a harsh reality with no money in my pocket, no money, in my bank account. I couldn't get a meeting with an agent. I couldn't get auditions. Cause they're like, ah, ma'am, you're here illegally. There's not much that we can do to help you. So I was only in LA for about like six to nine months, something like that. And then I was always so ambitious to work that nothing killed me more than feeling like I was wasting my time. And that's what it felt like in LA after a while that I was like, if I can't work here and I'm not gaining that experience, I'm just going broke and like hanging out with people that are doing something with themselves. So I got to go back to Canada and, uh, and get my together. Can I swear on this show? Sorry. Yeah. No, yeah, it's okay. okay <laughs> it's okay. Ahead. They'll believe it. It's okay. Uh, the right. reason well, that's, that's why I actually wanted to know, because I think that, you know, a lot of time you hear about like, you know, the Hollywood dream of like, I left from high school and I moved to LA and I got auditions and, you know, I did this and I eventually moved my way up. But I think people underestimate how hard it is to get auditions out here. You think it's so easy. Like there's an audition on every corner is how the movies make it seem, you know, or, you know, each true Hollywood story makes it seem like, you know, there's you know every agent scouring the mall looking for the next big star. And it's like, it's really hard to get auditions or to get an agent to get you auditions. 
Dude, I still, through my entire career, every agent I have ever had from every agency, the, you know, whatever acronym you want to throw out, I'm like, hey, I would love to get an acting audition for anything, anything. And they're like, yeah, 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 sure, no problem. And then they just never do. It never happens. And I'm like, come on, you can't just get me like something, like some kind of like, uh, you know, made for television movie. I'm not asking to be in like an Oscar nominated. I don't need the Coen brothers, but like throw me a Hallmark film for the love of God. It, it's crazy to me that you even with your big following have put it out there that you want to be in a Hallmark movie and it still hasn't made, made its way to you. Nothing. That blows they won't mind. even like my tweets. They won't even they don't respond in any capacity. And I can't even tell you like. Now I'm like, okay, I'm going to move on to like Lifetime. I mean, listen, I love a good Netflix Christmas movie. They're fantastic. But yeah, I just, that really is always the thing. As much as I know my bread and butter is as a television host and I love what I do. uh, I really do love that part of my career. There still is 19 year old me being like, girl, you want to audition and you want to do some movies. You want to you want to do the Rachel McAdams thing. You want to do the the Elliot Page. I mean, when I was growing up, uh, I mean, I'm older than him, but um, for for Elliot Page, I mean, I watched so many of his movies. Um, these like you know these smaller indie movies. That was a career that I was so and am still so invested in. Um, so yeah, those were always the people that I really looked up to. And it's like I just want to be in. I want to be in a movie. I want to be on a movie set and like lean into that a little bit. I feel like I would do a good job. People are underestimating me. Yeah, I I think you would do great at it as well, first of all. Thanks, uh, Ryan. And I did, yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's crazy to me. I I've only I the only time I had an agent uh <laughs> I had a TV show that I was pitching and I was like and and I had a big agency that was interested in helping me with it. And I was like, "Sick, I finally got an agent." I'm I'm finally getting there, you know? And then they uh, they got me in touch with MTV and MTV was starting to buy the show. They had sent me a contract oh my offer. God. They sent me the contract offer. Um, I told my agents, sign it, sign it. And he was like, no, that's not how it works. We got to negotiate with them. And I was like, no, sign it. I don't I, care. Let's just do it. I, I yeah. want a TV show that, that I'm going to make, sign it. And he was like, no, 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 I'm your agent. I'll deal with it. And then uh, like the next day, <laughs> Variety or Hollywood Reports and the reports that the president of MTV had stepped down and a new one was taking no. his place. <laughs> and then a week oh, later, I got the call saying that my show was, uh, they were pulling the deal and my show wasn't <gasps> happening anymore. <laughs> that is so heartbreaking. And that then, sucks a big one. And then I haven't really heard from that agent since ever again. So. <laughs> I was like, do you want to take this elsewhere? Yeah, man, it's rough out there. It is rough out there. It sucks. I mean, you know, yes, people have the Hollywood dream and I, I, you know, people do know. I mean, I feel like that's the thing. As soon as you say you want to get into the entertainment business in any capacity, people are like, you know, it's really hard out there. It's like, well, yeah, I know. But like, it is the thing that I love and it's worth fighting for. And people do make it. Dude. There are people that that are successful to do it. So why not me? And if you watch, you know, I, and I also think that thankfully when it comes to the entertainment industry um, and, and acting that age as much as people say it is, is not necessarily something that is holding anyone back. I agree. Because you'll see people that are, you know, getting an Academy Award for the first time in their 60s or something like that. And it's yes. like their first big role they ever got, you know. So um, yeah. I, I think that the dream can always be alive for something like that. 
I think so too. It's funny. I think that uh, I feel like that's something that like pops my head every now and then where like, you know, I feel like you hit your mid thirties and you're all of a sudden like, Hmm, what does this mean for me? Because my entire life you are told like, Hey, you're, you know, by the time you hit 30, good luck. <laughs> um, and I I'm so against that. I feel like you hit your mid thirties and that's when you really hit your stride. You have experience under your belt. Um, you, you know who you are, you know what you bring to the table, you know, your own worth and your own value. Um, and you know, even from like a creative standpoint, I feel like you have so much to bring to the table at that point. So I do think like it, it it's pretty trash to imagine, you know, by your mid thirties that you should be wrapping it up. And I, I really feel like, you know, especially for women, um, I think having these conversations and us all kind of having each other's back of like, Oh my God, listen, you don't have to be 25 to be successful. That's crazy. I mean, when I think of myself at 25, I was such a baby. Like, yeah, maybe I was, you know, maybe my pants were a little smaller, but like, <laughs> but you know, you think of like the experience, like the woman I am now, like I would rather work with this version of me than 25 year old me. Oh, I mean, I, you, you're the experience you have now is you can't even compare it to the experience you had totally. when you started. Yeah. I mean, you're like yeah. a full on pro now. So, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I want to ask you one thing. Cause I, when I was, uh, texting you for this, and I was, you know, getting ready for this. I realized that I still have your name in my phone as Renee Young. Is it tough to gain prominence under a stage name and then have to kind of like ch change it back and then have to gain almost like new prominence with your actual real name again? Yeah, it's weird. It's definitely weird. Um, and you, you know, that is a thing that you worry about. You're like, oh my God, like people are going to go, who is this? Like, I think it was... Um not to like name drop, but I feel like it was O'Shea Jackson Jr. He was like, he tweeted, he's like, I don't know who this Renee Paquette is. Like, I, cause I kept like showing up in his feed, like tweeting stuff. And he's like, who is this? And he's like, Oh, it's you got it. <laughs> that it does throw people for such a loop. And you do have to reestablish yourself as who you are. But there was also something really nice to just going back to saying my name. You know, as much as I, you know, I love Renee Young, love what she was able to do for me and for my career. And I would not be where I am today without that. I, of course, uh, but it is really nice to, to have my own name out there. I had tweeted or posted on my Instagram or something the other day that somebody shared with me that I was, um, a question in, in a Washington post crossword, but it was as Renee Paquette, not yes. Renee Young. And I was like, whoa, that was really cool. That's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty neat. Oh, it's so funny. My dad gets like really excited about that stuff. He's like, look at you go. He gets like very proud of me. <laughs> uh, OK, but wait, you said your real name. Is your real name Renee Paquette or did you change your name when you got married? Yeah, so my legal name is Renee Good. <laughs> so you have uh, three names then. Yeah, that's so many <laughs> names. It is a doozy. I mean, yeah, it's, I always joke. I'm like, hi, Renee Young, Moxley, Ambrose, good, whatever name you want to throw out there. It's like, holy, so many names. It's really confusing, especially like when I'm, you know, if I'm like doing a job or whatever, and they're like, okay, so you're going to be Renee Paquette on camera or making the checkout to whatever. But I'm like, actually, can you send it to my LLC, which is now under the. Oh no! <laughs> it's a disaster. <laughs> I feel like once you get your uh, your TV talk show uh, one day, when you get your daytime talk show, it's just going to be Renee. So it's going to be too confusing <laughs> with all the other last names. 
<laughs> Honestly, I mean, no one else really just goes by Renee. I mean, you think of Renee Zellweg or Renee Russo. Are there any other Renees that people think about? No, not that I can think of. I don't honestly, think so. so. Honestly, those two names that you just mentioned are, are not of the current day thought process of when no. you think of that name. No, Renee's Renee's good. I'm gonna take it. Oh, oh my god, I just <laughs> flung my headphone out. <laughs> I like how aggressive. you were doing it to look cool to see. <laughs> um, Knock it out. What a loser. Yeah, my girlfriend <laughs> makes jokes about uh not wanting to change her last name when we eventually get married. But I think I think my last name's okay enough to where she will do it. But because my dad would be crushed yeah. if she didn't. You know, it was something, you know, John didn't really think twice about it. He was just like, whatever. Cool. We're married. All right. And I was like, yeah, like I do. I do want us to have the same name, especially now that we have a daughter. It's like, you know, I love that we all have the same last name, but I am kind of lucky that like professionally, I still get to go by Renee Paquette. So she still exists and she's still out there. But I do love that we have the same name. I mean, let me tell you, is it a pain in the ass to legally change your name? 100%, especially when you're from another country and you've got to like do it, you know, twice over. It's a real pain, um, but it's done and it's great. And I, I wouldn't change it. I do. I, you know, to women that want to keep their last name, all the power to you. But I do. I like the I, I kind of like the traditional side of things of, of, of taking my husband's name. I feel like naming a baby would really be tough. Like you mentioned having a family now and stuff. Was it tough to name your baby? Not at all. Really? It's actually crazy because we named her so early on that, um, God, I, we, we named her, I think we had like just found out that we were having a girl. And so her, her name's Nora, but my grandmother's name was Eleanor. Um, so I really wanted to pay tribute to my nanny in some way. So I was like, Nora's a good one. Um, and we both like right off the bat, we, we both had agreed that, that Nora was the name though. I mean, there was a short list. I actually really wanted her name to be dusty. Um, and that was, you know, John's like, can't name our daughter dusty. (laughs) Of course, even at that point. Uh, Cody or Cody and Brandy, she had her daughter five days after me. John's like, you really can't name her Dusty now. Um, but I've always loved the name Dusty for a little girl. So we didn't we didn't get to do Dusty. Um, but hey, maybe I'll I'll still bring it back around. If, should I get pregnant again? I think it's a great name and I'm putting it out there officially so nobody can steal it from me. Um, but yeah, <laughs> no, we, we on it. I put my stamp on it. Uh, yeah. Ownership. I planted my flag, but no, we came up with Nora really early on and we did it so early that by the time I was like eight months pregnant, I was like, we are naming her this. Right. Cause then I started to be like, is that her name? Does she feel like she's a Nora? I was like, you know, kind of going through the whole thing, but we actually call her chicken a majority of the time. So she responds to chicken and Nora. I know where did chicken come from. She looked like a little rotisserie chicken when she came out. <laughs> she would like she would sit on John and her little arms would be like down by her body. And she was just like hunkered down. I was like, look at this sweet little chicken, which is funny because everybody always calls Dustin Rhodes chicken. Um, but yeah, chicken chicken is her nickname. I love John being the voice of reasoning for the name there of being like, we can't I know. name our kid Dusty. Like, come on. Yeah, he was like, there's no way. And I was like, but I, you know, of, you know, who doesn't love Dusty Rhodes? Of course, but I'm like, you know, there's Dusty Springfield. Maybe it could be from that. 
Um, but yeah, he shut that down pretty quick. <laughs> I've, that's how I've had to be with my girlfriend where she's like, you know, like girls have like the list of names. They like, you know, kept away since they were a kid. And uh, my girlfriend, hers was like, since she was a little kid, she wanted to name uh, one of her kids seven. And then it was like in her, in, you know, in her mind. It was when she always wanted to do it. And like from on, Seinfeld? I was just going to say. And then Seinfeld yeah. did the episode and she was so mad as a child because it ruined the name that she wanted for her child. Oh, she had that before Seinfeld did their episode. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, before. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, then she, and then, you know, when when it happened, her, her, you know, her dad was like, oh, you can't really do that. now." And so Bummer. it like ruined it from a young age. But she still like has oh, it at the bottom. Gosh. She has it like at the bottom of her list. But I'm never I, I won't let that happen. I don't think we can. Yeah, we we do all have the. I mean, I definitely have had that list in my phone for a while of like boy names, girl names. If I was reading a book or watching a movie, I'm like, ooh, that's a good one. I'm gonna put that one down. Uh, yeah, it. I still have the list, you know, just as backup. Uh, what's the biggest change you've had to make in your daily life since having a kid? I don't have time for anything. Um, I actually, so I, I posted this thing the other day on my Instagram and. It was uh, I think it was Julianne Moore said this. It's like raising a child is not hard. It's doing anything else while raising a child is hard. And it's it's so true. I I mean, I love being a mom. I love spending time with Nora. That's like that's the easy part. But when it's like, hey, pop on and do this. And oh, wait, you have a career that you're still, um, you know, bustling away with. Um, it does become a little overwhelming to try to figure out how to make time for things and like, what's the proper amount of time that I still give myself. I know that I become the back burner essentially in my own life or obviously baby comes number one, John's busy on the road traveling. So there's no stopping that train. Um, so I get to work from home, which is awesome. Like what a lucky time. I mean, it's a horrible time, but at the same time for me, career wise, the fact that I'm able to work from home, has been great. It's awesome that I can be okay. I just got to pop upstairs. Give me an hour. Let me knock this out. Um, that that part of it's great, but it also makes it a little bit difficult in the sense of like, it's a blessing and a curse that there's really the part of me that misses being able to get out of the house. And I miss being in a studio and as dumb as it is, it's not dumb, but like, I want to go through hair and makeup. I want to put on a real outfit. I want to not be wearing sweatpants underneath the zoom. <laughs> no, I trust me. I completely understand. When I first got here at Fox, like full time, uh, I was still doing interviews in my office. And uh, when they first said, when I was like, "Hey, can we make these interviews into a podcast?" and they said that I could do it on the set, uh, it's it's literally like the thing that I look forward to every week. Because other than that, I'm usually just home working in my office most of the time. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great, but it is easy to get distracted. Or I'm like. You know, I'll, I'll be upstairs working on something. It's like, oh, my God, like I know the kitchen's a mess and this needs to be cleaned up and this thing needs to happen. Plus, we just moved not that long ago. So it's like trying to get stuff done around the house, trying to find our spots here, trying to like, you know, we don't have a nanny. Um, luckily, we have family nearby. But, you know, as much as we can rely on family to be here, it's like we don't want to lean on them all the time. So we have to get um, we got to get our ducks in a row a little bit. <laughs> it's yeah. been a little bit chaotic. I, I felt honored when you said your mother-in-law was going to come watch uh, your baby so that you could do this. interview. Yeah. I was like, all right, that, that's yeah. very nice that you that you did that. Yes. But I can Legit. imagine. But I can imagine for you, you, you know, you're someone who, you know, when I see you, I see you as someone who's always busy. You've always got something going on for your career. You've got it's like, exhausting. Yeah. You know, podcast, cookbook, 
you know, uh, show on Sirius. You've got all these different things going on all the time. So to hear that, you know, uh, that you've lost all your free time does make a lot of sense considering you're, I you're have. constantly busy. Oh, my God. And like, you know, going to the gym is something that I've always loved. It's always been a necessity, but it is something that I, I've always really loved. And that's honestly something that has kind of fallen to the wayside in the past couple months. So I'm like really trying to figure out, like, how do I get that part of my life back on track? Because when I take my me time, it's doing this or it's doing, you know, when I'm doing my own show, doing the serious show, like I don't feel like during the day that like I get to do an episode of my podcast, but then also wait, can I have another hour, hour and a half that I can run to the gym? Someone's got to watch a baby. Like, I just feel like life doesn't work like that right now. Um, so I feel like I get kind of like that one thing. And I, that's me saying that that's nobody else saying that, of course, but it's like, I feel like I just need to spend as much time with my daughter as possible while also just juggling a million other things. I just really wanting a nap as well. <laughs> I completely relate though. Like I, I sometimes realize that like my me time is making a TikTok for work or something. And I'm like, yes. definitely just trying to promote my show. So technically that's not me time. That's, that's work still. And I yeah. also, I also find myself being like, Oh, I just want to like do something like play a video game for an hour. And so yeah. I, I've really tried in the past like couple months, I'm trying to get better at, at you know, uh, me and, 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 and focusing yeah. on me sometimes too. And I've, I've tried to get a lot better at that right now. I'm a, when I leave here, I'm going to try and finish refurbishing a table that I've been focused on. That's, that's a nice project. I've never done it before, but it looks kind of easy in YouTube tutorials. So you can I'm do it. You can do it. A little elbow grease. I believe in you. You can, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I actually just thought about doing something similar. I bought a hutch for our kitchen that I really want to redo. I want to get some new hardware for it. And now the weather's getting nicer. I, yeah, I think I want to do the same thing, kind of sand it down, give it a new fresh coat of paint. Those are nice, fun projects to do. It seems a lot better than scrolling through Twitter, in my opinion. So, so honestly, I'm going to try. I'm honestly going to try. Now, you talked about uh, yeah. going through hair and makeup, and it reminded me of the good old days of WWE backstage here because. Uh, we don't have that here. I remember my first my first recording for the podcast. I said, "Is there hair and makeup there?" And they were like, "No, this isn't no. WWE backstage. You're not you're not getting hair and makeup for your podcast." Uh, well, uh, so that's what I. Somebody give me some concealer. Come on, help me a little powder, a little blush. I just missed the free haircuts. I when I found out I can get a free haircut in makeup, I was like, oh. Sick, yeah. Cut my hair. Cool. Oh my god. Honestly, like though that's actually a great moment to like decompress for a second. Even though you're about to do a show and you've got a million things going on in your mind, it is nice. It's nice to feel pretty. You know, you want to you want to kind of have that little glam aspect of the job. That's always kind of the like that's like the extra added bonus perk is like putting on a cute outfit and like god going through wardrobe. My my th those are my people. Help so, me out. I, oh, my God. I, I was going to say that's what I miss most about backstage was because I'm, I'm not the most stylish guy. I'm, I've never been great at doing my hair, which is why I used to always have long hair. And when those ladies, they would make me look so good every week on that show. Like they would, you know, the, the ladies in hair and makeup were the nicest people. I miss them so the much. And, and then, the man, best. I remember I walked into the wardrobe uh, room. And it was just like a closet full of like, like just, just like a whole, I, I say it's closet, amazing. like a small, but it was a whole wall full of ties and pocket squares and, and stuff. But then like they that. like fold into each other. It was like this yeah. like room from the future. That's just like filled with everyone's clothes. Like it'd be really cool to like 
walk in. It's like, oh, here's Carissa Thompson's rack. Here's Aaron Andrews rack. What's Colin Cowherd going to be wearing today? Like, I'm so nosy. I'd want to like walk by and just like check through everybody's rack and see what they got on there. I'm like, are you still going to use this? Can I have a look at this? I one time, please. I one time opened it and I said, can I wear this suit? if I wanted to. And, and they were like, <laughs> no, that's Troy Aikman's suit. And I was like, oh, okay. okay. Sorry. Fine. <laughs> that's okay. Fine. Also, no problem. I also remember them rushing me into hair and makeup once. They're like, Ryan, we got a rehearsal. We got to hurry, hurry, hurry. I was like, okay, okay, okay. And I rushed in there and, and they're like, and it was just Colin Cowherd sitting there and, and it was just one chair and Colin Cowherd getting worked on. And I was like, you guys finish up. I'll be over here and wait. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you miss most about WWE backstage? Oh, um, it's honestly, it's, it's the people I miss doing. Like, I love doing the show, but the show was like it was it, I, I, I say the word easy in the sense of like we all just knew what we were doing. We have our rapport already built in there. We all know how to talk about pro wrestling. So that aspect of it, I loved. I loved being uh, being able to go in there, and do the show. But I just love being able to hang out with everybody. Um, you know, whether it, you know, whether you're there on set, whether it was Booker T page, when we had punk come in, Samoa Joe would be in there sometimes, um, to, to the execs, to the producers, to us all being able to just hang out, go out for dinner afterwards. I miss that. I'm such a like social butterfly that me not having that time spent with people throws me for a bit of a loop. I feel like I really feed off of other people's energy. So for me to not have that is weird. Well, you you know, when I asked about your your true real true self when we were talking at the beginning of this and you talked about you kind of having a potty mouth and not being necessarily like like super nice Renee Young that everybody knows on camera. Uh, that was it's she's funny. so mean. No, I wasn't going to say mean, but that was my takeaway, too, of you just being like, you know, kicking back, having fun, maybe saying a few curse words, like talking a little crap here and there, you know, like it was just like <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that with you. And honestly, you were the most helpful person to me out of all the out of all of the panel of talent there because you just because I'm the only nice one. The other guys are jerks. <laughs> fair, fair, yeah. Oh yeah, Booker T roasted <laughs> me my very first episode on camera, like classic. Boy needs to fix his beard or something like that. You know, <laughs> I remember that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but classic. Uh, e even from the audition, like I always felt like you were there to help me elevate the segment, and like the entertainment industry can be a selfish place, but. You really did always give off the opposite vibe. Like you were there to help the show, make the show better, make whoever was with you on the show better. And I always really appreciated that. Yeah, dude. I mean, I feel like when you came in, um, knowing what you brought to the table, I love the fact that you were going to come in and have your own segment. I really wanted it to have like a very hilarious, like porn music intro because we were calling it satin sheet satin sheet yes <laughs> so i was all for that um but no i mean i i love working with other people in like any way that i can help i've really never been that person that like feels like threatened by somebody else coming in and having the spotlight for whatever the you know in whatever capacity like i i don't know it's just not something i've ever really thought about not to say like there's not been moments that I've had like jealousy of other people throughout my career of course there's moments like that but I mean ultimately I don't feel like somebody else doing great is going to diminish is going to diminish me also doing great yeah that, you actually worded it so much better than I could have because I didn't want to put words in your mouth but yeah like it was never like a threatened 
Like I never felt like I was doing something with someone who who felt threatened in the slightest bit. It was like, oh, this person's here to to make things better. So I'm I'm very yeah. happy. Uh, I'm, it's cool to hear you say that too because it's definitely what my favorite part about working with you was. It was just like, oh, I love that. Thank you. Yeah, and I also feel like. I wish people knew how much input you had on the show from the start. I mean, from, you know, pushing for certain things in my segment to being like, even with my segment being like, no, Ryan needs to have a better news, you know, uh, news article here, or news to report here. And we, you know, work all together and see like, well, what's something else we could do? And so I, and, and, you know, in the, in the, you know, in the production meeting, you having such a say in every single segment, like, I don't think people understand like how much you worked on that show behind the camera too. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I loved, you know, when you're in the wrestling business and, you know, at that point I've been doing it for like, you know, seven, eight years, I'd been around it for so long and knowing the inner workings of WWE, then trying to bring that over to Fox and trying to like, you know, bridge the gap between what WWE wants, what Fox wants and trying to make the show as great as we could while also still having integrity for ourselves going out there and talking about that. And it can be a really interesting line to toe in terms of wanting to talk about the things that people want us to talk about versus like who's paying our checks around here, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> that can be a really interesting spot. I mean, I think the satin sheet is a great example of that where like, you know, you didn't work for WWE. So I think that you had to bring a different element to the show of, um, you know, what kind of news that you were going to be talking about where like for us, we worked for like for me, for Booker, for Paige, for us working directly with WWE, our opinions had to, they had to still be our opinions, but at the same time within that WWE universe. Yeah, I think, you know, that makes sense. I, of course, well, to me, it, to me, it makes perfect sense. I completely understand what you're saying. And I think that sometimes people go like, well, why don't you ask this kind of question or that kind of question. And it's like, well, you're still working within the confines of your job still. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't go full blown sometimes. You can't just like go guns a blazing. Yeah. You have to, uh, you know, stay in your lane sometimes. I just had um, I've just had Peter Rosenberg on my podcast and we were just talking about that where it's like, you know, even when you're you know, when you're doing like a kickoff show with WWE, it's like you're on the show. You are a part of the WWE show. You're not going to go in there and be like, I'm going to blast all the stuff I read on the dirt sheets. And that's, what's really going to make this segment hot. It's like, that's not how it works. It yes, work no, that way. Definitely not <laughs> how it works. Well, in speaking of your show, your podcast is great. I'm a regular listener. Thanks. Uh, do you prep Thanks. for your shows and write out questions and topics? Or do you just kind of, you just kind of wing it when you're doing it? It depends. It depends on who it is. Um, it depends on who it is. It depends on how many of the other things that I rattled off earlier that I'm juggling throughout a day. Um, you know, like sometimes it's awesome where I can just sit down with somebody who I already know really well. Um, so I can sort of navigate that a little bit differently, but there's also that bit of a line of like, okay, well, I personally know these things about you. Are those things that you want to talk about in this circumstance? Or was that just a private conversation that we need to keep a private conversation? And I mean, the good thing is it's not a live show. So if that ever is the case, you know, we can, you know, deviate around that and, and edit and whatnot. But um, yeah, you know, I, I'll kind of prep a few things of just like, oh, remember this thing or remember this thing about this person. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't really go too in depth because again, it comes back to like the, just listening and having a conversation. A lot of times I just want to go on there and have a great conversation with somebody. Like we just had a picture of Sammy Zayn up there and, um, you know, he's somebody you literally just put a microphone in front of that guy's face and he's just going to talk about a million different things. And it's not like, I know if I'm interviewing somebody like Sammy Zayn, I'm not going to be interviewing him so much about him as a person because he has all these other intricate things that that make him him, that that's what we're going to talk about. We have like this in-depth conversation about like the different layers to professional wrestling and what makes X, Y, and Z work. And we get, you know, a little bit heady about things like that. So that's one that I wouldn't necessarily prep for. I'm not going to like, you know, go into like, oh, well, back in Montreal, back in, you know, the early 2000s, you were doing this or like back in Mexico, you know, you're doing this. Like those aren't really the places I'm going to go with those conversations. And ultimately my podcast isn't, it's not so much a wrestling show as it is about wrestlers, you know, like I want to know about these people. I've been able to spend so much time with all of these amazing human beings and we get to see layers of them on television, but we don't always get to hear all the backstory. We don't get to know about, you know, these weird special skills they might have, or these other weird quirks they might have. And that's the stuff that I want to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I completely relate to that. And I feel like I, the, my favorite thing about your show is that, like you said, a lot of the time it's people you're already friends with. And so it's kind of like hearing two friends get to have a deeper conversation for an hour than they would probably ever have in real life. Um, and I like it. Yeah, because who has time for that in real life? <laughs> exactly. And so I, uh, I like that, similar to what you just said, that you already kind of know things about them and you can kind of lead them there and see if they want to talk about it. Whereas like with my show, it's like people I just don't know. I've never met in person. I've never and I'm like trying to figure out who this person is. So I like I like being on your show, being able to kind of like hear two friends that already know each other, kind of uh, learn each other, learn about each other more. Yeah, yeah. And I love that, too. Like I, it also for me, like selfishly, is like when I pop on and get to do the sessions, I just it's kind of just me catching up with a friend that I haven't seen in a little while and I miss them all so much. So it is nice to be able to have someone on and just be able to like shoot with them and and enjoy them. But then there's other episodes like, you know, just recently uh, for Valentine's Day, I had on Dr. Lisa Paz, who is a marriage and sex therapist. And that was one that was a day I was exhausted. I had no sleep. I had kind of spread myself too thin. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've got this episode booked. I've not really. What do you prep for this? What am I going to ask her? And it ended up being one of my favorite episodes because the entire episode is just discovery and listening and having a great conversation with somebody that you find interesting. Um, and that's, that's what I love about the show. Yeah. I'm always amazed. And I know people, Joe Rogan's a very polarizing person and I don't necessarily watch his show, you know, regularly, but I'm amazed mm -hmm. at how he just doesn't have notes. Whenever I do watch stuff, it's literally just him just sitting there with no computer in front of him, no like piece of paper. Just kind of like thinking to himself and I'm like, I could that that takes such guts of just just diving in head first. But sometimes those can be Old. the best episodes, like you said, uh, where yeah. it's fill, filled with discovery. They really can. And like, you know, even even in like my other work, like when I was doing commentary, it actually used to make me mental that Graves never had notes. He just did it. And he was so good. And it drove me crazy. And I'm like, how? I feel like I would like prep and prep and prep. And then, you you know, you end up not really using a lot of those notes because you're in the moment and there's a million things happening and segments are changing and times are getting cut and whatever um, that 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 can kind of, you know, change everything. 
but yeah, even for, for my podcast, like I can write a bunch of notes down, but I like it to be in my head and I like to be aware of it. And if I get to it, I get to it. If I don't even better. I think that's the same reason I write them out too, is that like, it's the act of writing it out that it makes me remember it in the conversation yes. for some reason. 100%. So, yeah. yeah. It's then it, then it's in your brain. It's rattling around in there somewhere. And if you decide to pluck it out, awesome. It's there. But if not, it's fine. Like I can be, I can be a massive over-preparer, um, especially when I'm doing something like I'm doing like a real, like not to say my show's not real. It is a real show <laughs> and it pays my bills. Thank God. But, um, you know, if I'm doing like a, a television show or something, like I feel like I'm like notes, 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 notes. And then I abandon it all as soon as the red light comes on. Yeah. That's it. That that's, I mean, I think preparation is key. I think you have to do all the notes. I I, I don't know how people can do it without some sort of preparation before. I'm always it's jealous. It's really of bold. It's so bold. I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous of them. I, I mean, I am in the sense of like, wow, you must have had a really easy night last night because I've been up writing all this stuff down that I don't even essentially need um, that that part can be exhausting. But yeah, it, it always kind of blew my mind when like or somebody like wouldn't watch something prior to doing a show. I'm like, how, what if somebody wants to talk about, yes, there's like the headlines of things that have happened, but what if somebody wants to talk about this minute little moment and you just have to go, uh-huh. And you don't have a clue what they're talking about. That gives me anxiety. <laughs> I, me I can't all the way, all the way. All right. Mm -mm. Uh, I got to let you get out of here in a second, but I want to close out with a segment that I like to call the finishing move. And that's where I talk to my guests. Normally, about their finishing move. You don't have a finishing move, but I've uh, I've changed the questions a little bit here okay. to match what you did do in WWE, which was interviewing for a long time. So who was your favorite superstar to do backstage interviews with and why? Oh God. You know, anytime I get asked this, I really, it's not that I get stumped. Honestly, the first person that comes to mind for me is Paul Heyman. Okay. Um, I loved working with Paul Heyman because he's Paul Heyman, obviously. Um, but him and I always had such a great chemistry and he was somebody that always really pushed me to push him. If that makes sense. Like yep. I remember we did, we did a sit down and it was one where, where Brock had just turned on him and he's distraught. He's not shaved. I don't think he slept the night before because that's how Heyman works. He is like method to a T. Um, and it was one of those moments where like he wanted me to push him, but he is sitting in that moment being so vulnerable that that's pushing me to go a certain place. And then our characters had this very like push and pull relationship that it made me kind of want to like take advantage of the fact that I'm like, oh, is Heyman sad about this? How do I like kind of get him with this? How do I grind him down? Um, so I, I always really loved working with Paul. He was always so generous to me as a performer and uh, he's one of the absolute best to ever do it. Uh, but he, he, he really gave me a spotlight very early on. And I know that he was somebody, whether he was talking to Vince, whether he was talking to Kevin Dunn, I know that he went to bat for me a lot. Um, but, he, but I mean, you know, even aside from him just being like a, a good dude and doing that, I just loved working with him because he would just get in my face and like yell and be Paul Heyman. And I, I always really loved those moments. All right. And lastly, what's the most memorable thing you did during your entire time in WWE? What's your crowning oh, achievement? I think, you know what? I think there's two. I'm going to go to obviously the one has to be, I, I, I want to say 
slapping them is, but actually I think the moment was when Maurice slapped me. Okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm like more proud of that moment because I took that slap right to the face, right to the side of the head. Um, and that was a really cool moment for me where I did get to feel like I could like sort of flex my acting chops a little bit and really sell that. Uh, but then I have another moment that is, it's pretty subtle, but it was a moment that I, I really loved. It was when John was doing a program with Drew McIntyre and I was on commentary and they had come up onto the announce table and, you know, they do whatever to smash the announce table and, um, and Drew took a pencil and was going to stab John in the eye with it. And I let out this like guttural wife scream that I was like, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was one of those moments that like, you know, whether people noticed it or not, I feel like that was a moment that I just wanted to be as like present as a wife as I could and not as an announcer. And I, I tried to like really lean into that as much as I could. I love that. All right. Well, Renee, yeah. thank you so much for doing this today. I'm so glad we finally got to chat for this long. Me too. Um, thank you for everything that you did on backstage. And uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Absolutely. Yeah. Good luck with everything, dude. I know you're crushing it with these interviews and uh, you're great at what you do. And this is an awesome platform for you. So happy to see you just killing it, thriving. Thank you. Thank you. Go listen to the sessions. She's got a but if you haven't listened to that show yet, go listen to the session. It's awesome. All right. That was this week's episode. Thanks to Renee Paquette for doing it. I really enjoyed getting to chat with her about all of that stuff. Now, a little bit of housekeeping before we get out of here. Like usual, go follow WWE on Fox on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're even on TikTok now. So make sure you go follow WWE on Fox. And like I said at the top of the show, please subscribe to the podcast feed as well. It helps out a lot. So whatever podcast platform you're listening on, please subscribe to this show. And also go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find the full version of this show at 9 a.m. Pacific time every week and clips from SmackDown and Raw as well. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this is Out of Character.